1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's good to be with you today on this fine Friday afternoon. I hope you are enjoying your afternoon, getting ready for a good weekend, whatever you have planned. Today is open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. What is on your mind? 888-LA-TALKS is the number. 888 2557 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We'll talk about Biden's speech yesterday and his presentation of uh, the uh, his his proposals for what to do about guns. And in a moment, I will talk a little bit about um, whether or not those are going to do any good. There's a very very interesting article in the Atlantic today, and I'll share some of that with you. A theory about mass shootings, and basically it says that we don't know what is behind them, but there's a there's a pretty interesting theory. And uh, we're going to have to talk about and figure out as a society really what to do about that. We've talked about that some this week, and uh, I'm coming from the perspective that it definitely has to do with the family, with upbringing, with sin, basically. I mean, we are seeing the um, disintegration of things that, that prevent this kind of thing from happening. And, you know, one of the facts is that the laws that are being proposed, there's a couple of them now that might help. uh, But most of the mass shootings that we've seen, the laws that are already on the books and uh, laws that might be proposed in other states, if it's different, may not have done anything to prevent this from happening. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. That's the direction I will go. But on Friday, I'll take your call about anything and we'll change the subject and we'll swing back to whatever we're talking about if we get too far out of whack 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And, uh, you know, I'm a pastor, so I can answer your Bible questions, or I can, I can try to. Maybe you've got just something else on your mind. Somebody told me today, my producer today said he listened to a show where they debated the, whether it's better to have an ant problem or a cockroach problem in your house. And I thought, you know, that's a great discussion that really is. I was part of a discussion that just started about on, it was online and it was about what's the proper way to load a dishwasher. You want to talk about debates. You know, we can really get into it that way. 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at com. And so let's get into the news uh, today. Yesterday, President Biden did give a speech uh, about the shootings and it's been a sad couple of weeks. It's been a sad couple of weeks and as people have mentioned the gun violence in our country is kind of ongoing and we we don't hear about all of the mass shootings he said that there were 20 mass shootings just in the last week and a half i think i heard about four of them maybe a lot of those are are kind of gang related usually people bring up chicago or other places where there's a terrible amount of gun violence all the time and um the majority of gun violence is not actually mass shooting. It's it's one person. I think about uh, when you take the number of of gun deaths in the United States, more than half are suicides, and that's kind of how we count that on there, and that that brings our, our number quite up. But not that that doesn't matter. I think that you know, uh, if there might be reasons to say, well, if we didn't have uh, the prevalence of guns, then maybe there'd be less suicides. I don't know. I don't know that that's true. And I, and even in that case, I wouldn't say that's really the problem. The problem is why are people getting to the point where they feel like they have to take their life? 888-528-2557 is the number. If you can join in on the conversation or change the conversation if you'd like to, because today is Friday. All right. So president uh, Biden gave a speech yesterday. Uh, this was one of his, uh, his main points, which I think we're hearing from a lot of people. It's not really a point. It's more
2: of a, More of a plea. Go ahead and play clip one. At both places, we spent hours with hundreds of family members who were broken, whose lives will never be the same. They had one message for all of us. Do something. Just do something. For God's sake, do something. After Columbine, after Sandy Hook, after Charleston, after Orlando, after Las Vegas. After Parkland, nothing has been done. This time, that can't be true. This time, we we must actually do something. The issue we face is one of conscience and common sense. It is the cry, I think, that we've heard from a lot of people. I would have
1: that, that says we have to do something and that we never do anything. Um, But I think the argument is, what are we supposed to do, ultimately? Ultimately what is it that we can do? And is the answer really in government? And, you know, as we talk about this, um, I'll just point out the answer ultimately is not government. Maybe there's some good laws to pass, that's fine, but you cannot legislate against evil and expect it to go away. There are not a whole bunch of things that you're going to be able to do to legislate and control evil evil behavior through the government. It doesn't work. In the biggest oppressive regimes in the world, the government becomes the evil ones who are doing the mass shootings against the citizenship, right? I mean, there's, there is not a, a governmental solution that is just that simple. This is a moral crisis. This is a crisis that is much, much deeper, okay, than any law that can be passed. This is a problem of evil. This is the result my opinion speaking as a follower of jesus this is a result of people deciding not to follow jesus and not just individuals who are deciding this but the culture that influences people has decided to not follow jesus or even if they weren't christian they've decided not to follow a judeo christian ethic and we have become a a society that actually tries to to say that there is no truth, that there's ultimately not moral truth, that you can have your truth and I can have mine. The problem with that is that if my truth is, is that I need to have a weapon and kill people with it to make a point, then I guess I'm right then. If there's no God, if there's no justice, if there is no you know, cosmic justice, if there is no sense of what is actually right and wrong, which is ultimately what modern philosophies are saying, then we should expect violence to increase. And if we got rid of all the guns, maybe it would be more complicated. But one of the things that we see in these mass shootings especially is that an awful lot of planning goes into them. That's one of the things that is consistent, that there is a plan, that they are premeditated. They are often done mimicking the previous one. It's usually not something where somebody just decides one day to go off they've planned it out. They've taken time to write notes. They've taken time to post things on social media. They have taken time to inform people of their intentions. See, And that means there's something troubling going on a long time before they actually decided to do something. And they were of the mental state, whether it's mental illness, which I think it's certainly that's part of it, but they're of the mental state where they're able to come up with a plan and go through with it. Even if it takes months, a lot of people have questioned that it's a good question where this young man in Uvalde had the money to buy his AR-15, a couple of thousand dollars he probably would have had to spend. There's a lot of answers to that. Maybe his grandparents gave him the money. Maybe a friend gave him the money. And uh, how did he get that money on a part-time job? But you know what? If you're intent on saving money for something, even a part-time job at a fast food joint, you can save up that much money. If he's not paying rent, if he's not paying bills, living with grandma and grandpa, you know, it's really not that hard to figure out how a kid would come up with that kind of money if he's got a part-time job. So here's one of the things that I think is an, an interesting theory. Time is, this is from The Atlantic today, David French, time has proved the slow riot theory of mass shootings. And he says, we don't actually know how to solve the crisis, Okay. Play clip number two. This is President Biden's uh, his proposed uh, solution. He had a few of them. This will be the one that is the the most
2: debated one. Play clip two. I know that we can't prevent every tragedy, but here's what I believe we have to do. Here's what the overwhelming majority of American people believe we must do. Here's what the families in Buffalo and Uvalde in Texas told us we must do we need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. Strengthen background checks. Enact safe storage law and red flag laws. Repeal the immunity that protects gun manufacturers from liability. Address the mental health crisis, deepening the trauma of gun violence and as a consequence of that violence. These are rational, common sense measures. Here's what it all means. It all means this. We should reinstate the assault weapons ban on high capacity magazines that we passed in 1994 with bipartisan support in Congress and the support of law enforcement.
1: So he goes on to say that the banning of high capacity magazines and the banning of assault weapons, that's the one that that people are going to have the most difficult time with. And that's not going to happen. Politically speaking, there's probably no will for that. And where we get into it is that uh, it may not make much of a difference. He he might be right to say, uh, if we can't do that, then we need to raise the age of a person to 21 from 18 in order to purchase them. That might help. Uh, at least some of the younger people, and that, you know, I think there's a reasonable argument for that. It is odd that you can buy an AR-15 when you're 18, but you can't buy a handgun until you're 21. That's strange, right? I mean, come on. Um, Repealing immunity of the gun manufacturers, that's going to be hard because you're taking the blame off the shooter uh, in order to do that. He says, address the mental health crisis. Ding, ding, ding. That's, there's something there, right? That's where we got to go. But he never says what that is. And I think that's because people disagree on on this because we don't want to say there's evil. I mean, at the end of the day, when we get down to it, people don't, it's, you know, when we admit that there is evil, if you want to f- follow that conversation, you have to then go down the path of cosmic justice. By that, I mean, ultimate justice. We would say that it's the justice of God, that there is a higher power, a higher source of of justice and right and wrong that we are accountable for. And as soon as you say that, well, now you got to have the God conversation. Now you got to talk about sin. Now you have to talk about right and wrong. And we don't want to do that. That's why we're having a hard time actually having the conversation, because it opens up the door to the idea that we don't get to determine for ourselves what is right and what is wrong, ultimately. 888-528-2557 is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. If you want to join the conversation, Mike from Chino Hills, welcome to Southern California
3: Live. Uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, you know, the problem isn't the uh, uh, the guns; it's, it's evil in the world and people rejecting Christ. And uh, here's here's a uh, here's a here's a fact. You know, these guns have been around uh, the a- AR. Fifteens and 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 such such the like for decades for many decades and we've only been seeing this problem really uh, in the past uh, twenty years or so. Uh, prior to that, uh, mass shootings you know in, in every public place were unheard of. So it's not the guns; it's, it's the hearts of men that are becoming uh, increasingly evil, as Christ you know uh, predicted uh, in Matthew twenty-four. And uh, you know you can. Uh, Talk about mental illness and strengthening uh, um, the laws, you know, enforce the laws in the books for criminals, uh, maybe change the age to 21 to purchase weapons. Well, here's another thing about that. You have 18-year-olds serving in the military and spilling their blood for our country. So I don't know about that either. But the thing of it is, is uh, the left, they're, they're going about it the wrong way. We have a godless government. Uh, and... You know, they're trying to put a bandaid on on, on a wound that uh, is arterial bleeding, so to speak. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah, I do. Mike, I appreciate your call very much. You know, I and I think it's, you know, we don't want to say that, uh, hey, it's not the gun, so we're not going to do anything, like have the discussion about age or, you know, other things the president mentioned that I think are good are laws and accountability laws about how you store your weapons, right? Do you lock them up? Are they away from your kids? I mentioned yesterday, I know two families who's... Kids were killed by guns that they found just lying around the house. Um, one was at his own house. The other one was at a friend's house. And, you know, there are tragedies that occur all the time. And those are some things that could be done, you know, if, if parents, uh, gun owners, and most gun owners, I think, agree with this, that there should be significant consequences if you are not uh, safely storing your weapons and things. So there, there are things that we can we can talk about with that, but it does come down to the hearts of mankind. And the issue that uh, I'm going to read about here in just a second to you is that we, you're right, that things have changed in the last 20 years. I like to point out that the increase seems to be also coinciding with the increase of social media or social media just makes people mad. And it gives people also a platform. It gives, it gives people a platform to be mean and nasty. You know, if you haven't been on social media, and that's good. You know, don't, don't go on there. And if you are on there, I just got to encourage you, if it's, if it's making you upset, if you're one of these people, you know, I've got some friends who they're just constantly sending out article after article, statement after statement. And they're just all things. I don't even know how much of it is true, how much of it is right. But you can tell they're just enraged by different things. And that's what social media does is it keeps you angry and it's also keeping people angry who've got a problem with their anger and expect to do something more than just forward out a story with their anger i think there's a lot to do with with social media and other things but even that so do we ban the social media do we say okay social media is bad uh do we turn all social media into a utility like you know the phone company the cable company and then it's all going to be you know controlled sort of by the government you can't say certain things and you can't uh, you know um is is that the direction and if you and if that is, if that's what you do, does that really change things? you know I don't know it it might affect things a little bit, but the problem is still people. The problem is still why is it that we are becoming more and more violent and here's here's one of the theories if you want to join our conversation, the number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight 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 five two eight two five five seven The theory here is that the reason that we don't do anything is because at least from a factual standpoint, from the standpoint of where the government would sit, both the left and the right, and everybody in between, we don't actually know how to solve the crisis. We say we know how to solve the crisis. We get passionate about whatever side we're on, and we're going to solve the crisis. But when you take a sober look at it, the answer is we don't. And that's why this, this is the, this is the theory that uh, David French is putting out. He says this, he says, we begin with two scenarios and explore which one is worse. In the first scenario, we know there's a crisis and we know there's a solution to the crisis, yet we lack the political will to solve it. This is often the way we talk about mass shootings and it's wrong. And I think that's, that's right. That is what we're saying here, right? Isn't that what we're saying? Every time these things happen, we think that we know there's a crisis and we're right. We think that there is a solution to the crisis, and what we're saying is we lack the political will to solve it. This is basically a big part of the president's point. Uh, he blamed Republicans. He said we need 10 Republicans in the Senate to go along with these things, and they're not going to do it. And we turn it into that. And, and and there's all kinds of other cynical politics with it. The cynical side of it is neither side really wants to solve the crisis because they can both send out letters, and they raise money. They do. On the left, and I'm, I get letters from all sides. Okay, the left people, when I get their stuff, it's all about we need to ban guns and ban these things and, and protect our children. Blah blah blah. Send me money. On the on the right side, it's it's the tyranny of government, the undoing of our constitution, and we need to be able to arm and protect ourselves. And and uh, if we let them move this way, then they're going to destroy the country and kill us all. Give me money. All give me money. And if you if you could actually find a solution, well, then both of those arguments to raise money from both sides would go away, all right, in the letters. Now, what he's saying here in this article, and I thought this was really interesting, he says, one scenario is we know there's a crisis, we know that there is a solution to the crisis, and yet we lack the political will to solve it. That's the way we talk about this. But then he says this, the fact is, that's not right. The fact is, is that what we are doing when we're doing that is we pit those who think they've solved the problem against those who have a different opinion, and then we just divide and divide and divide, you see? See, the problem is, as he says, we do not, in fact, have a solution to the crisis, and the very thought that we do is further tearing at the fabric of American life. The second scenario is this. This is what he's arguing is true. We don't know how to solve the mass shooting problem. We don't even really know how to make it better. We have good faith ideas, but we don't have sufficient evidence that they work. I thought that's pretty profound. I thought that is probably right. And as, and then he goes into the, the different proofs about this, okay, the different gun laws that have been out there. And you hear people on both sides saying they work or they don't work. There was a Rand Corporation review. Uh, studies the effects of, it studied the effects of 18 policies designed to address mass killings. And this was the conclusion it said, we found no qualifying studies showing that any of the 18 policies, gun-related policies, investigated decreased mass shootings. They didn't find any study saying that the laws that have been passed are decreasing the mass shootings. None. Um, not to be clear, there are nine policies that there are no studies for, so they couldn't actually study them in an in a in-depth way. Some of those are arming teachers, I know that many of you think we should arm the teachers. Well, there's no study on what would happen if we armed the teachers. We don't know if that would do any good because we're not doing that generally. Um, And then we, so we can't really study it. We can't study the idea of including red flag laws to allow people to say, hey, I think this kid's going to be violent um, and therefore their guns can be taken away, at least temporarily. We're not really doing that in most places. So there just aren't studies. There's some places where you can do that a little bit now, but not much. So those are two things that people are proposing right now that we have we arm the teachers. Um would the teacher have the ability to shoot the shooter when they come in the class? I think it's a lot more complicated than just training teachers. Um how do you feel about it if you're a teacher? I mean, do you do you want to be armed? I thought about this with my 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 kids' teachers. I love all of them. And uh I thought, you know, some of them, I could, they probably are packing heat under their desk. I wouldn't be surprised um but some of them I'm thinking I don't know if that would be good for you that we we train you in this way I don't know that that would be good for anybody um what is the solution the red flag laws are controversial the idea that i think somebody is a danger and therefore i call the authorities and i make a claim i think this person's a danger to him or herself and the other people around him the police come they confiscate your weapons and uh then there'll be some kind of court hearing for me to prove that my uh, assumption is right and that gets very complicated it could it could uh change things maybe but even in a lot of these cases the person's mental state has been well known i think even in the uvalde when the police were aware of this kid he was already shooting bb's at people walking by or something right i mean there there have been many cases now where everybody is aware already that these kids have got problems and that they are a threat. I'll continue talking about this because I think it's an interesting way to look at it. And for us as believers, who I think, regardless of where you stand on gun laws and things like that, you know that the problem is deeper, that the problem is in the heart of men. You know that we have a problem of evil that is growing and that we're not addressing in our society. And a big part of that is because we are removing God. And you you just can't. You can't really address evil very effectively when you take God out of the equation. It's Open Line Friday. We will continue talking about this when we get back, but you can also call with any other comment. You can comment on this of course or anything else that you want to do. On Fridays, we'll change the subject just for you. 888-528-2557, 888 I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. It's good to be with you here on KKLA 99.5 and KPRZ in San Diego, all of Southern California, every day from 3 to 5. Thank you for joining us today. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 528 2557 Before the break, we were responding to the president's speech about Uh, gun control laws and what to do, and, and going through a theory that was put forward in The Atlantic today from David French. And basically the idea is this. We don't actually know what to do, and that the problem that we're having with this discussion is that we think we know what to do, and what we're arguing is that we know what to do, but we lack the political will to do it, and therefore the people who aren't taking steps to do what it is we know we need to do to prevent these from happening are the bad people whichever side you're on, the problem he's arguing is that we don't actually know what to do. And one of the studies he cites is a RAND Corporation review. You can find it online at rand.org if you like to look at those kinds of things. And what they did was they went through the effects of 18 different policies designed to address mass killings. And their conclusion was this. We found no qualifying studies showing that any of the 18 policies we investigated decreased mass shootings. And these are some of the things that they looked at. Uh, background checks. Um, background checks were had moderate success in reducing uh, violent crime, but it was inconclusive with suicide, mass shootings, or, or different uh, uh, outcomes. Uh, bans on low-quality handguns, all of it was inconclusive. Bans on the sale of assault weapons at high-capacity magazines, uh, inconclusive with mass shootings, inconclusive even with violent crime. And, um, these are studies, you know, they went in, in depth and really studying, do these things work? Firearm safety training requirements also inconclusive. And I think that's a good idea, right? I think people maybe should be trained, uh, in how to use their weapons, but does that prevent these murders from happening? And they're saying the the studies suggest no, a firearm sales reporting, recording and registration of requirement and requirements also inconclusive licensing and permitting requirements. Um, It helped with suicide in a limited way, according to this study, but inconclusive in general to violent crime, inconclusive with mass shootings, inconclusive in other areas. Um, Waiting periods, inconclusive with mass shootings. And the reason for that is that most of the weapons that have been used for these are purchased legally or they are stolen from legal owners, kids who stole them from their parents or, or wherever they got them. And, uh, you know, when you read all this, you go, it's very interesting um, that we seem to think that if we just pass certain laws, that it's going to stop this. And what the investigation has been is that it isn't. Now, there are things that have not been studied because we haven't done it. This is where we left off at the break. We don't have studies of whether arming teachers is going to help because we're not doing that. There's no studies. We don't know. Um the other one is the red flag laws probably the most uh, controversial something I think is going to be talked about the red flag law do you have the ability to um flag somebody who you think is potentially uh dangerous um you know it that potentially might commit a crime do you have the idea let's say for example Um, this shooter in Uvalde, the police knew about him. The police knew that this shooter was shooting BBs at cars. Neighbors knew that the police had been called to his house. He posted online that he purchased two um, AR-15s, I think is what it was. Lots of people knew that he was into the weapons and that he had trouble with the police and that he was even firing at people at random, right? So the red flag law would be does a parent or a neighbor or grandparent or a teacher who sees these things or a friend who sees these things? Do they have the ability to call the police and have these people detained or have their their guns taken from them, at least for a period of time until uh, there's some kind of court proceeding? And that's that's the issue. If if so, maybe it prevents it or maybe it just delays it. There's no study on that. Okay, so that's not that's not a part of this. But here's what's what's interesting. Uh, when you go through the here's the theory that's also presented in 2015. Malcolm Gladwell, if you know that writer, is a great writer. Uh, at some point he accepted Christ. I'm not really sure where he is in that, but, uh, he was not a believer in Jesus for a while. And then, uh, I think that he still is. I haven't, I haven't read one of his books now for a couple of years, but he's a great writer. One of those guys who just thinks, you know, outside of the box and really helps us understand, you know, how society functions, how relationships function. He wrote an insightful work on this. And this was his theory. He said that the United States is in the midst of something like a slow-motion riot, where each mass shooter over the last 20 years he's talking about is lowering the threshold for the next. And he his argument is the Columbine killers kicked it off, Okay, they kicked off what he calls a riot. And uh, he cites some studies about what causes riots. Like, you ever wonder, we have the, the riots a couple summers ago. What started that? Why is it, you know, it's peaceful for most of the day, and then most people go home, but then somehow the riot begins or anytime you see a riot or you know what happened at the Capitol really most people who weren't there who were there weren't there to riot but somehow it started why somebody had to throw the first rock right at each one of these things somebody throws the first brick through a window or whatever and the argument is this that a riot is not a collection of individuals who are out there to try to break windows and cause problems uh, a riot is a social process in which people did things in reaction to somebody else doing it, and so the idea is that people have a threshold at what point you, know, you probably have a threshold for something in your life at what point do you just lose it with you know just about anything right at at what point do you say i 've had enough and you you take some kind of action, and especially if it 's you know your temper or something sometimes you 've had enough and then you do something where you lose your temper and usually you do something you wish you didn 't uh, people have a different threshold for that kind of thing, okay? So the idea is with with rioting is that there's a certain number of people who need to be doing the rioting before we agree to join them, and each person might be different. So somebody's an instigator, right? Somebody goes to the march or they go to the rally or they go to whatever with the intent of of causing um, violence, with the intent of doing violence against a person or the intent of of instigating a riot by throwing a brick through a window or something. So there's the instigator. That person, at the slightest provocation, will lose it. But then there's the person who will only throw a rock if somebody else does it first. Like, so they have a threshold of one. This is the theory. Are you following me there? So the next is the person who won't do it at all unless there are two people doing it. Well, there's two people throwing rocks, so I guess I will do that. And it kind of goes on and on. So next to him is somebody with a threshold of three. Uh, who would never break windows or loot stores unless there were three people already doing that. And then eventually you get to somebody who might need 100 people doing it. And you get to the upstanding citizen who would never think about that, but who all of a sudden finds themselves going into a store and grabbing a camera from the broken window of that electronic store uh, because everybody else is doing it. I might as well too, right? You, you see that? So the, the theory here that Gladwell was putting forward is that these school shootings – Start with the, the Columbine. The reason they're getting worse is because the Columbine people were the instigators and they created the, the narrative, okay? One writer argues that there was a cultural script for all these shooters, They the Columbine shooters. I'm not going to mention anybody's name. It's just, in fact, I think one of the ways we stop doing this, we stop this, if there is something to do psychologically anyway, is stop mentioning their names. Stop putting their picture on TV. Let's not televise yeah, It's probably not possible. But I think it would be better to not televise the Buffalo shooter. He's the one who's still alive. Um, you know, we need to know that story. We need to know what led to his his racist point of views and all that stuff. And the people who are there need justice, and, and there's a lot of things there. But when we're making the shooter famous, okay, we are doing what they want. You know, he might have chickened out on whether he was going to take his life or maybe he thought he'd be shot by the police you know, one of those two things happens almost every time in these things. Anyway, I'm not going to mention shooters' names, but these shooters in Columbine, they recorded their, their videos of what they wanted to do. They wrote lengthy manifestos and they spelled out their motivations. They were very specific. Those guys even said they wanted to kickstart a revolution. And the studies have shown that at 12 major school shootings after that in the United States, in the first eight years after Columbine, eight. Of those cases, the shooters made reference to the Columbine shooter specifically. And of the 11 school shootings that were outside of the United States in that period of time, and there are school shootings outside of the United States, six were, were versions of, of Columbine. Of the 11 thwarted cases of shootings in the same period that were stopped, all of them were Columbine-inspired specifically. And this is a controversial statement by Gladwell. He was mocked for this idea because there's some data that, sh- that shows that mass shootings often occur in bunches. Like when we're kind of having it right now, we got three or four right now that we're talking about, and there were another 16 that happened that we're not talking about. In 2015, a paper in Arizona State University found significant evidence that mass killings involving firearms are incented by similar events in the immediate past. Uh, suicide and terrorism were likewise contagious. So some people say, no, the reason these keep happening is because they inspire each other. They happen in bunches and they don't happen for a while. So there's there's different ideas here, which is also kind of the point. The point being, we don't actually know what's going on here. And because we don't actually know, it's one of the reasons we're not coming to any any common sense, you know, any agreement of what a common sense solution is. Now, as we are talking on this show, we've got an idea that's much deeper. We believe that there is evil. We believe that there is spiritual influence, and it is a matter of the heart, that the solution is people obeying the Lord. I think the solution might be even a little bit deeper, my friends. It's where are we in the church? Is the church in America so stuck inside its walls that we do not notice those around us who are in tremendous pain, in tremendous difficulty? There might, in fact, be a script. It's a a powerful argument that says there's kind of a script and people are following that script and they keep doing it. And in that script, um, the other argument that's made in this uh, study is that the gun control that is put forward in our states and cities and different places, it wouldn't have stopped most of it, uh, very little of it. And that is also something we're not addressing. Now, we're not saying this to abandon hope. We need to have hope. It's that we have to stop talking about things that won't work. We need to refocus. We have to refocus and think about things. As believers, what are some things you think that we could do? What are some things that you think the, the church can do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, we have got to be more involved in civil society. We have got to be more involved in mentoring kids and being involved in our schools and relationally involved with people. when we've got an answer. We've got the hope of Jesus Christ. We have a friend named Jesus. We have the one who is the comforter. And we have to believe that this isn't just a philosophy that you subscribe to or that you can pass on that maybe is going to help somebody, you know, like if you do your yoga or you do your uh, meditation or you go jogging once a day. This is something that is supernatural and true that we believe that Jesus died for your sins, that you can be aware of his love for you, his friendship for you. You can have a true relationship with the living God. See, that needs to be a message that isn't just proclaimed inside the walls of our church for an hour on Sunday. It's gotta be our life. It's gotta be what we are known for as believers. I think this would help. 888 is the number, 888 This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back with your Friday edition in just a moment, stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Hope that you are doing well. The number is 888-528-2557. We are talking about, uh, we, well, it's Open Line Friday, so we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. But we have been responding to the president's speech and talking about solutions to gun violence or... We've been going through an article in The Atlantic that suggests that we don't actually know why. Now, as believers, we understand that there is evil intent and that there is a lot. And I think people know. I, I actually argue that we may not know the specifics um, you know, of why people make the, the decisions to do these things. And maybe there are some things that we can do legislatively to stop these things. But I think we know deep down that we need to address things morally that we need to be a society that actually takes a knee to, uh, to the Lord. And we used to be, even people who didn't believe they understood the idea that, uh, you treat others as you want to be treated. And we were a lot more connected as a society in every community. We are more and more disconnected, uh, these days. And I think that has a lot to do with it, too. There's a whole lot of psychology and other things we can talk about. 888-528-2557. I want to get your comments, and um, I want uh, us to think about as believers, You know, how do we get outside the walls of our church and begin to notice people? Because that is something that studies are showing. Well, many studies are showing that the laws that are passed um, and that might be passed, even things that could be put out there, um, that they wouldn't do any good. What we also find out is that in almost every case, in fact, in these recent casings, these recent uh, shootings, cases in these shootings, the shooter had let it be known that they were troubled. In most cases, in almost every case, there is extreme planning. There is posts on social media. There are notes that are written. There is a lot of evidence. In some cases, people have been in the school office saying, hey, I have these feelings that I want to do this and nobody knows what to do. And then they send them home, and then they come back. There is something more that we can do. An odd thing, too, in all of this discussion about we should have red flag laws or we should do this. In California, a new California bill would no longer require schools to report bad student behavior to police. So if a student, it's SB 1273, uh, California State Senator Stephen Bradford put this out there. If If you, the idea is that we want to make uh, schools more comfortable for the students and not be fearful of threats. Isn't that odd, though? If I'm, you know, wouldn't you be more comfortable if somebody's threatening your school that the police is notified? I don't know. It's it's just an. We just live in an odd, odd time. I'd like to know what this person is arguing as far as what we ought to do nationally um, about guns. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Pablo and Downey, welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Thank you for taking my call.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, Pablo. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I just want to say that uh, how come nobody's talking about banning uh, video games? You know, all these video games condition kids to do all these kind, of, kind of atrocities, and nobody's talking about banning these video games. They're all so violent, and mm. uh, I think that's one thing we can start doing.
1: Yeah, you know, it is a uh, very interesting question also. There are there are studies that are kind of the same, that some say they, they cause the violence and some don't, but you have to wonder... Uh, You know, as somebody who has played video games for a long time, certainly the level of violence is far greater today than it was 30 years ago. Right. You know, in the things that have changed in the last 20 years, that's something that, um, you know, people are are saying and some people are saying, well, it's the the assault weapon ban uh, expiring. I like to say part of it is social media that has drawn people apart, made people angry, and that helps, you know, people with a lot of trouble gauge that trouble and grow it. Uh, video games, I think you're, it you're, it is something we have to look at. We don't let our kids play uh, violent video games. Uh, do you play, Pablo, do you have kids?
4: I have kids, but I don't let them play video games. But I've seen those video games, and they're pretty violent. And yeah. And most of them, they use uh, uh, assault weapons, you know, and right. I think they, those those video games condition those minds to do those kind of things they want to do those things so yeah uh i think we should ban all those kind of video games
1: My personally you know i think that should be added to the list of things to uh, think about uh thank you pablo for your call appreciate it you know the the video games uh and you're right they use these kind of weapons and uh, some of them are military style right but some of them are just committing crimes um I mentioned before that I've worked with uh, gang-related ministries, and there was a kid who got shot uh, several years ago now, and uh, he might have been 12, I think he was 12 years old, and he played a lot of video games, and the interesting thing he had to say was he survived, and uh, he said, though, that he was surprised that it hurt so bad that he got shot, that for some reason in his head, he didn't think it would hurt very bad if he ever got shot. And uh, people suggested that, well, maybe he thinks that because it doesn't seem to hurt that bad in video games. And then, of course, you respawn and you come back, and uh, that's how that works. I don't know. Lots to say about that. 888-528-2557, Ike in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, You know, it's really interesting that um, we, the Christians who are supposed to be the light of the world, uh, sometimes uh, when we argue this point, we tend to several certain groups of people that um, are supposed to be uh, the ones that we like. We can push back on certain things that we know deeply inside of us are totally wrong. Uh, the NRA, the arguments that they are putting out there that guns don't kill people. Kill. I mean, I don't know how you can stand in front of those 19 parents that lost their kids and tell them that those guns don't kill That is the, the, the individual that killed their children. If that guy did not have access to those rifles, he wouldn't be able to uh, shoot that many people, even if he wanted to. You know, So common sense will tell us that we are not really being honest when we are trying to defend this gun right. Even when we think about when uh, the Constitution made it clear that every individual has the right to possess their own weapons, that was several centuries ago. That was when there was war between the United States and Britain. People needed guns to protect themselves, to protect themselves from the government. How many times does the United States or get into war with individuals where you have to arm yourself with RF-15 rifles. I was a soldier for three years, and I can see what those rifles will do to the body Mm. when those bullets pierce the body. I just retired from teaching after 20 years, being in the classroom with 10, 11-year-olds. And you tell me, that I can stand in front of those children and tell them that uh, guns don't kill. No, that is the total nonsense. We are supposed to be the light. We are Christians. We need to speak the truth, even if it hurts the people that we like or the people that like us. We need to stand for what is true and what is real. These guns should not be so rampant in this nation. We are not fighting a war in this country.
1: All right, I, And as, I,
4: soon as, as soon as they remove this war, these this guns from so many hands, I guarantee you that people are going to find different ways to express themselves other than taking guns and shooting down innocent people.
1: All right, I appreciate your call. I'm running out of time here, and I know a lot of people feel the way you feel. I think that um, one of the things that is hard in in this discussion is that many feel the way you feel. Other people listening are probably saying, well, the reason we haven't been uh, attacked by the government is because we have guns. And that would be the argument about tyranny and stuff. But we need to have a sober conversation about this without, you know, there's got to be some way um, to make some decisions that would really help. And that, I think, is the hard thing. Uh, I got I got to I have just a few seconds left. I want to get to one more call here. Jay from Van Nuys, you got about 20 seconds. Jay, if you can make your point real quick.
3: Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I just wanted to say that, yes, um, we as Christians, we do need to pray about um, this uh, situation that's going on with the shootings in the schools. But um, I also think that we're at the wheel when you have an 18-year-old buying a an automatic weapon um i don't know why there isn't a red flag list that uh the you know um the authorities should have put
1: eyes on yeah i gotta and, let you go because i have to take a hard break jay i'm sorry i have to take a break here in just a couple of seconds but appreciate your call and i think that's something that can be discussed uh changing the uh age you know we have different rules about that that are inconsistent for sure Hey, this is Southern California Live. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything you like. We'll change the subject when we get back from the break. I'm Scott Furrow. Hold on through the break. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned